Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. I'll uh, circle back like Jen Psaki would on the Cluster B Society. Uh, But first, then Vice President Joe Biden's office exchanged a couple of emails, as it turns out, with Hunter Biden's investment firm, Rosemont Seneca. This according to a FOIA request that was revealed last week. But then, you know, current events sort of, you know, overwhelmed all of the uh, these developments. So you got to go back. Joe Biden's vice president. Sheriff Joe, Lunchpail Joe, curing cancer, doing the moonshot, all that. And apparently his office had exchanged some emails with Rosemont Seneca. And Rosemont Seneca is Hunter Biden's investment firm which is totally not a shell company. Totally. And by a few emails, I mean 19,335 of them. So just, you know, here or there, like, hey, yoga schedule, seating chart for the wedding. Like Hillary's server, remember, just, uh, just a couple. It wasn't even a big deal. That's why she just wiped it with a cloth, you know? The emails call into question President Biden's repeated claims that he never discussed business with his son. Former Hunter Biden business associate Devin Archer previously testified that then Vice President Biden joined at least 20 phone calls and or in-person meetings with Hunter's foreign business associates during their time working together at Rosemont Seneca. Devin Archer explained that access to the vice president served as the selling point of the Biden brand, quote unquote. That allowed he and Hunter several lucrative financial opportunities, including joining the board of Burisma. So they're selling the Biden brand. And that's why they were able to hoodwink old Joe, who's now the leader of the free world and apparently is so easily deceived by his crackhead son. Okay, so uh, no problem at all there. Um, But yeah, so that's why Joe was joining the phone calls, meeting with all the foreign uh, oligarchs and uh, uh, leaders and and. uh, you know, shady business people and stuff. He was just doing it to help out his son, but they never talked about any of it. That's what Joe Biden said, and that was a lie, obviously. We now know at the time, Burisma's founder was being investigated by the Ukrainian prosecutor, a guy by the name of Viktor Shokin, and then Biden bragged later about getting Shokin fired. The Biden family and its business associates received millions of dollars from oligarchs in Russia and Kazakhstan and the Ukraine while Joe Biden was vice president. That's now been proven, according to the bank records that have been released by the House Oversight Committee. The committee says that it has identified more than $20 million in payments from foreign sources to the Biden family and their business associates. And those foreign sources include Russia, Kazakhstan, Ukraine, and China, and Romania. 
Again, no, no, like freedom loving Western allied countries here. You notice this. I always point this out because it just seems funny to me that it's always, it's always like these worst actors, right? It's like the murderer's row of, of foreign countries that, that Hunter is selling the access to. And why would that be important? It seems to me like those are countries that are trying to buy access because they're totally down with paying bribes, first off, right? Right? They have a legal system that's corrupt as all get out. And and they're trying to rehabilitate or get some avenues, you know, open at best, or they're trying to extort. They're trying to get compromat, right? They're trying to get compromising material on the vice president. And so if they can if they can get a connection with Hunter, now they got something that they can use as leverage. If you're a Western country, you don't need to do that because you're already allies, right? And we it's all out in the open. We're going to work together on stuff. The foreign funds were sent to accounts tied to Archer that used the Rosemont Seneca name and were then doled out in incremental payments to Hunter Biden. And the, the committee, the House Oversight Committee, says that this was done in an attempt to hide the source and the size of the payments, because of course it was. The Biden family and its business associates created a complicated web of more than 20 companies, according to bank records obtained by the House Oversight Committee. And GOP lawmakers on that committee say that this system was meant to conceal money received from foreign nationals. At least nine Biden family members received payments. I'm sorry, are they all Ukrainian gas energy industry experts too? What? Why are they getting payments? So 19,335 emails from the vice president's office to Hunter Biden's investment firm, Rosemont Seneca. Oh, also, the vice president's office exchanged more than 4,200 emails with Hunter Biden and then another uh, 1,751 emails with Joe Biden's brother, Jim Biden. So this is not Joe. This is the office of the vice president emailing Hunter and Jim, who, by the way, no, it wasn't Jim. There's another younger brother, and that guy's got, like, nudes that showed up on some gay porn site a couple weeks ago. Like, what is even happening here? I, well, and then there was another story I saw, what, a week ago, where, like, Joe Biden, as vice president, was still doing his nude skinny dipping in the uh, the White House pool in front of staffers and stuff. Like, what? This, it just, there's just something, there's just something going on there. Okay. Next up, Jonathan Turley, writing on his uh, website, jonathanturley.org. Do you remember this guy's name, Robert Herr? Not the pronouns. That's his last name. It's H-U-R. And no, it's not that movie with the chariots. It, no. Special Counsel Robert Herr. Nobody, yeah, haven't heard of him recently, unlike his counterpart, Jack Smith, special counsel, who's been aggressively prosecuting Donald Trump, right? Heard all about Jack Smith. But what about Robert Herr, Bob Herr? He's virtually disappeared since his appointment to investigate Joe Biden. Herr surfaced to interview Biden over his possession, though, of classified documents, including some that go back to his time as a U.S. senator. 
which he wasn't allowed to take. Just for the record on that, like you don't get to take those documents as a senator or the vice president. So, I mean, this is even worse because at least Trump, like Trump, Trump wasn't a politician, right? So he just became president and then he got a whole bunch of like top secret stuff and he sees it all. And, oh, and I have the form or I have my uh, presidential records act. And so I can keep some of this stuff. And like, there's no, there's no doubt that Trump could not have taken, like, he could not have taken any of these documents before he was president, right? But Joe Biden did. He took a lot of them before he was president. He's been, he's been there for a long, long time. And this is, this is going to be a problem. Jonathan Charlie says he has referred to her, the special counsel, Bob Her, Robert Her, as a neutron prosecutor. A neutron prosecutor. That's a special counsel with no possible charge. Good one, Charlie. Under Justice Department policy, he is barred from indicting a sitting president. And there's debate about that, but that's their policy. If that's not enough of a problem, her may have growing evidence that accounts offered by the White House over the discovery of the documents are also false. The new evidence could prove transformative not only for the criminal, but the impeachment investigation of the president. Because the account that has been given by Biden, who says he had no knowledge and no involvement in the removal or the use of the documents, like, no, he, he said he didn't have any idea. The most glaring problem is that after they were removed at the end of his uh, term as vice president, the documents repeatedly were moved to other locations and then divided up. Some were found at the Penn Center office used by Biden in D.C. Others were found in his garage. Others still in his library. Right? So, so if he's saying that he had no knowledge or involvement in the removal or the use of the documents. Why are they getting moved around and why are they getting divvied up? That indicates some sort of a sorting process, a review process occurring. Oh, but there's another, yeah, there's another piece of information that might be even more problematic. Hey, so real quick, hurricane season is here, and this is your reminder to check your emergency supplies. You should have a three-day supply of food, water, and medicines, minimum. And Carolina Readiness Supply can help you get started or expand your supply. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies too, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you can use for any kind of emergency. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply, will you be ready when the lights go out? This piece by Jonathan Turley at his website, right, there are uh, this, well, there's the special counsel, Robert Herr, and um, they got all these emails, the 19,000 emails uh, between Hunter Biden and his, uh, and his dad's office when his dad was vice president. But also his dad had all the classified documents at his home, in the Corvette, or in the garage, really, in the office, right, at the pen uh, office, whatever. So he, they're all over the place. So they've been splitting them up, and that indicates that People have been laying eyes on these documents for a long time, whereas Joe said 
He didn't know where the, I had no idea. I didn't know where they were. I didn't know I had them. As soon as we found them, we turned them over. This is even more problematic. The White House and Joe Biden's lawyers, they have said that as soon as the documents were discovered at the office in Washington, D.C., at the Penn Center, they notified the National Archives. And a lot of people were asking, well, why didn't you call the FBI? But the White House has at least maintained that unlike Trump, they took immediate action to notify authorities. We're better than Trump. We told, as soon as we saw them, we let everybody know. But it now appears that's not true. One of the closest aides to Biden and a close friend to Hunter Biden is a woman by the name of Annie Tomasini. And aside from having a name that's very fun to pronounce, she referred to Hunter as her brother. I mean, not like incestuously or anything, but like they're just really close friends. Tomasini was once a senior aide to Joe Biden. And according to the Oversight Committee, she inspected the classified material on March 18th, 2021, two months after Joe Biden took office, nearly 20 months before they were said to have been found. Oops. The committee now alleges that the White House omitted months of communications, planning, and coordinating among multiple White House officials. Do you remember when Trump got busted? And then all of a sudden, it was like, oh, oh, Mike Pence has some papers. Oh, oh, who, who else? Was Lindsey Graham? Somebody? I forget. Like, all of a sudden, all these people were like, oh, I got papers. Obama had some papers. And, and then Biden had some papers. They threw it out. And they were just dropping like, people were dropping papers all the, all over the place, remember? Well, the Biden camp apparently knew this. And I wonder if they were like, hey, you know what? Get your bad news out right now. If true, the evidence demolishes the timeline maintained by the Biden team. That could have an immediate impact on both the criminal and impeachment investigations. The timeline has been a critical distinction drawn by the White House when trying to differentiate their matter from Trump's indictment, right? We're better than Donald Trump. We let you know. We let the government know immediately. We looked for the, we went just to be, just to be safe. We checked everything. And that's when we found the papers in the office. And then the papers in the garage. And then the papers in that other office at the house. And then we, and then we turned them all over. But we came clean. We're better than Trump. Except, no, actually, you weren't. You knew about it like a year before, at least. I'm not so sure, but I think, I'm just spitballing here, I think, I think that the American public might be catching wise to the Bidens. I think so. I, th- I think there, yeah, I think there may be some people who now view the Bidens as maybe just a teensy-weensy bit corrupt. And I only say that because the Associated Press put out a poll, and then it came back. And they asked people whether Joe Biden did anything wrong in his dealings with Hunter and his many foreign business partners. And to the surprise of few, maybe, the results were rather one-sided. Jazz Shaw at HotAir.com says more than two-thirds of respondents believe that Joe Biden either engaged in illegal activity or, at a minimum, 
behaved unethically. Right? So 35%, it's basically thirds. 35% of U.S. adults believe the president did something illegal. 33% say, yeah, probably unethical, but not illegal. And then 30% say he did nothing wrong. You leave Joe Biden alone. He loves his son. Of course, the AP doesn't like to use words like crime or illegal, so they sum all of this stuff up under the category of, quote, ethical concerns. <laughs> That's what they call it. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's illegal or he did something unethical. Two-thirds of respondents. Now, Jazz Shaw says, what boggles my mind about this poll is the 33% of respondents who said that Joe Biden did nothing wrong, right? I mean, what possible legal and ethical re uh, reason would the Bidens have for setting up a massive network of nearly anonymous limited liability corporations that had no function other than to shovel millions and millions of dollars from overseas entities back and forth and back and forth and eventually landing in the private bank accounts of multiple Biden family members, right? What is what is Hunter Biden's daughter doing getting tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars funneled into her bank account from one of this one of the 20 something uh, LLCs that Hunter and his partners operate? One of them, Devin Archer, says that his job was to disperse the money between the Biden family members. Like he did that. That was part of his role. Why? Again, are, are, are they are they energy experts? Oh, wait a minute. Maybe they, too, are masterpiece painters. That's possible, right? Maybe they were selling artwork as well. What did Joe Biden's grandchildren do to earn huge paydays from foreign actors in China, Ukraine, Russia, Romania, Kazakhstan? What did Biden himself do to merit all of this generosity? And were taxes ever paid on any of that money? Well, we know, no, it wasn't on a lot of the Burisma money. We know that thanks to the IRS whistleblowers. And once again, we never would have known all of this had Hunter Biden not left that laptop. And that laptop repair guy, had he not made a copy of the hard drive and then turned it over to the FBI because the FBI sat on it. We would never have known had Biden not left that laptop and the repair guy made a copy of the hard drive. Otherwise, obviously, there would be no laptop for us to see, for anybody to see. But even if Hunter Biden left it at the shop and the guy just turned it over to the feds, they sat on it. They never even told the IRS guys everything that was on it. They wouldn't confirm stuff on it for them. I don't even think they told the IRS people. And remember, the IRS investigators, they only got tipped off to Hunter Biden and his tax evasion because they were investigating what? A sex trafficking ring, an international sex trafficking ring. And these are guys that are looking at the flow of money. And these guys had like, what, 25, 30 years or whatever combined experience doing this stuff. And they know what the money flow looks like when it's for illegal activity. And it is setting up two dozen LLCs. It is running money through all of the different accounts. And even the, what was it, the Burisma guys, they said, oh, don't worry about it. 
we've set up all of this this you know these structures so it'll be decades before anybody figures it out so it it wasn't a matter of well you know we'll get caught but it'll be you know in a year or two no they like they they didn't ever anticipate getting caught because they didn't expect anybody to be able to unwind all of the complex business structures and the flow of the money. But then Hunter left the laptop. So are the people in the category that say Joe Biden did nothing wrong in that 33% category, are they even aware of these questions, of these issues? Do they even know this stuff? Probably not, right? Probably not. Either that or they're deluding themselves. Right? It's just they, they, they just don't want to believe it. They feel like they, they can't believe it. They're going to go to the mat because orange man bad. I don't know. I do wonder, and honestly, like, and I'm not saying this in order to, like, look, I, I gave up trying, just as, you know, cards on the table here, I gave up trying to persuade people not to uh, support Donald Trump. I, so I don't do that. If you want to support Trump, you go right ahead and do that. I'm, I'm, I don't... I don't attack people for that. I, I don't look at, uh, down my nose at people for voting for Donald Trump. That's fine. Like that's your that's your candidate. Totally fine by me. I'm I'm not in that same camp with you, but um, I'm not going to bash people or beat them up for it. Doesn't do any good, right? It, if anything, it actually probably creates more resistance. But I would just point out for the people who are embarrassed or worried about Joe Biden, but feel like they can only. They feel like they have to defend him because they are so, like, I would say, like, Trump derangement syndrome, kind of, like, brain broken against Trump. Like, But they feel like they can't move off Biden for Trump. If Trump is not the nominee, does that, does that make them more willing to abandon Biden? I don't know the answer to that. It's, it, it is a question I have. Um, oh, but speaking of broken brains... Uh, and uh, mass delusion. The Cluster B Society. This is what I was going over earlier from Chris Rufo. Um, he's got a movie out. It's called The Cluster B Society. It's a short. Uh, it's a it's a short documentary. I have not seen it, but I've I, I was going over his um, his write up on it at his website, ChristopherRufo.com. I was going over this in the last hour. And uh, psychologists have captured. He calls the spirit of the modern culture in four specific psychopathologies that that are individual, so you can have one of these or two of these, whatever, but when you, when you group them together, they're called the Cluster B personality disorders, the narcissist, the borderline, the histrionic, and the antisocial. So these personality disorders are what we are seeing at a societal level. And one psychologist, Andres Lobachewski, calls it a pathocracy or rule by psychological dysfunction, emotional manipulation, compassion coded antagonism and theatrical accusation become the staples of political discourse. And the goal is not to arrive at answers. It's to browbeat opponents and make them feel remorseful for denying left wing orthodoxy. This is the psychology at play. All right, you may have noticed that I've been helping the Alzheimer's Association of Western North Carolina for a while, and it's a great organization. they got awesome people with huge hearts. 
My grandfather died of Alzheimer's when I was a kid, and back then there wasn't a lot of support for caregivers and family. Now, things are different today thanks to the work of the Alzheimer's Association. It's why I support them. Every year we do a series of walks all over the country. There are a bunch in the Carolinas. You can go to alz.org slash walk for a walk to end Alzheimer's near you. This month, there are walks in Hendersonville, Rock Hill, Mooresville, Greenville. And in October, we got Charlotte, Gastonia, Asheville, Kannapolis, Hickory, and Spartanburg. Go to alz.org for all of the dates and locations. We're closer than ever to stopping Alzheimer's, and we're asking if you can help us get there. Will you walk with me for a different future for families? For more time, for treatments, this is why we walk. Uh, all righty, so Christopher Rufo is the um, is the fellow that has now premiered a short film called The Cluster B Society, and he reveals how a strange new pattern of psychopathologies has deranged our institutions and plunged our public life into hysteria, narcissism, and moral theatrics, all in the name of care. The film is at 2 million views on Twitter and uh, was on Fox News. This was uh, actually like two weeks ago, so I'm sure it's like way beyond that now. Um, There's a fellow named uh, Graham Cunningham uh, who commented on the movie and said, when you uh, once you are encouraged to view yourself as axiomatically personally blameless, the next step is to look for somebody or something else to blame. For each and every one of your discontents, recast yourself, your wonderful self as a victim and then ask who needs to be canceled. Right. This is this is exactly what I've been talking about with the tendency for interpersonal victimhood. Once you start thinking like this, you always think like this. Everything becomes you're the victim and your entire sense of self and identity is wrapped up in your victim status, which then, of course, requires you to blame somebody else. And what the studies show is that when people engage in this kind of behavior, they, they, they can't break free of the cycle and they become less empathetic to other people. The primary reason we are seeing the Cluster B society, according to Christopher Rufo, is the collapse of authority, including... Crucially, the collapse of religious authority. The therapeutic replacement that has risen up instead is disastrously unprepared for governing a society. It's a circular, one-dimensional, and incapable of uh, approach, and it's incapable of imposing rational limits. This therapeutic approach. He then talks about, this is a pretty interesting thing, he talks about uh, how both the male and female archetypes stereotypes, if you will, or whatever, like I know men and women are different. That's outrageous today, but they contain a combination of good and bad traits, right? For example, men can serve as protectors. They could defend the vulnerable or they can act as tyrants who exploit the weak, right? The essential problem, like when men behave in in an antisocial way, Usually it's to commit violence against other people. And as a society, we have said, ooh, that's bad. So you go to jail. Well, I mean, we used to say that, I guess. We don't really do that anymore. But like back in the old days, we would send men to prison. That's why when you look at prison populations, there's like way more men there. Because as a society, we said when men behave in an antisocial manner, then we, we ship them off out of society. We get them 
at a society as a way to to teach them this is not acceptable. It is antisocial behavior. So um, how do women behave antisocially? And don't tell me that there isn't any manifestation of this. Rush used to talk about this, right? We would talk about the, uh, the chickification of news, remember? Like this is, this is it. It's, the, it's a feminization of institutions. It's not all bad. I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm not attacking women for this. I'm saying that there are archetypes, right, in the, in the male and female personalities and the way men and women behave, generally speaking, when men behave in an antisocial manner, they get punished for it. What is the women's behavior, generally speaking? Have you been on social media? A lot of this, uh, this what he calls is like the therapeutic safetyism or self-care, um, but also victimization or uh, shaming, exclusion. Like a lot of these really nasty ways that, you know, think, um, you know, think like junior high, high school, mean girls, you know, like that at a societal level. And as Bill Maher summed it up on one of his podcasts, he's like, you know, men, when men behave in an antisocial manner, they say, I will kill you. When women behave in an antisocial manner, they say, I will make you kill yourself. <laughs> that's the that's sort of a fundamental difference. Now, Heather McDonald, she's got an essay called In Loco Masculi, and she argues that the dramatic rise in the number of female college administrators who now dominate campus culture, that this has led to a growing obsession with safety and victimhood. And rather than prioritize academic achievement and substantive debate, Administrators have elevated nebulous therapeutic concepts like trauma, white fragility, systemic injustice. And she says when students claim to be felled by ideas that they disagree with, the feminized bureaucracy does not tell them to grow up and get a grip. It validates their self-pity. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone. 